These uh these images right here were taken from Student Life Camp this week. That's where I was with uh, some of your from our braver adults and a bunch of our teenagers. Mitch and Amy got to go. We got to go do it upright, didn't we, guys? So uh, I wanted to show you that because um, what happened was unexpected. On, on the last night of camp, a tornado came through. Well, tornado, tornadic tornadic activity. We have it rotation. Anyway, we want to make sure we we're clear on that. So it wasn't like a big one, but it was possibly tornadic activity that took down power uh, for from 4.30 in the afternoon till 10.30 that night. And you imagine that. Hey, let's hang out with a bunch of teenagers in the dark because about 800 of them. That was fantastic. So it makes you a little squeamish. But I, I wanted to show you that because what happened is we didn't cancel worship that night. Now, if you if you ever heard of Student Life Camp or if you ever been to any of these big worship gatherings, there was lights and there was sound and there was all this stuff. But we didn't cancel because we didn't have that. We were able to come together, sing together, and hear God's word. Those guys leading us in worship were none other than Brett Perkins and his band that lead at the journey in Lebanon. So it was kind of a cool thing to do that. And I wanted to show you that because oftentimes we forget what a privilege it is to worship in whatever setting it is. Because all throughout the world, everywhere you go, there's a different form of worship taking place of Jesus because the gospel has advanced to almost all the known parts of the world. There's still, there's still places to go. We still got work to do, missionary work to do until Jesus, Jesus comes back. But in Haiti, in Africa, and Europe even, and even in, in Tennessee, in Hartsville, the praises of the Lord Jesus and his gospel are, are being, being lifted high. And you don't, need this, you don't need the lights, although they're fine. And you don't need the sound system although they help, to be able to come and worship Jesus. And I want to look in Psalm 95 and call us to see an invitation and a call to respond. An invitation and a call to respond. If you would look in Psalm 95, verses 1 through 11, we're going to read this together. And if you don't have it, copy God's Word, it'll be on the screen for you. Psalm 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let's make a joyful noise to him with the songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. O oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as, as at Merida and as on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who are astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore to my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Now that starts off like, really? If you just kind of read that, it starts off really like, oh man, I'm gonna praise God, I'll make a joyful noise, and then the end is like, don't test me. <laughs> I, I, that, that's there for a reason, and it's abrupt for a reason, because that is our great God. He is, to get a fully formed picture of God, you have to look at the whole counsel of his word. You have to look at the scriptures to see who he is. And today, we see from the psalmist an invitation. If you don't believe me, okay, it's not like 
dear so and so, welcome to this. If you got a kids, if you've been to a kids party, you know it's got you know Transformers on the front or Hello Kitty or something, and you get it, and it says to whom it's it's addressed to. This is a big invitation. It's a universal invitation to come and worship God. Those invitations are seen in verse one and verse six. So if you would, I want you to look at these two things. It says, "Oh come," in verse one, and then in verse six it says, "Oh come." And so this is kind of the universe. Hey, y'all come. Everybody, you, you, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Yes, you, you. Come, come, come. And then what is, what is the invitation to? It's to worship. It's to, to show and to express God's worship, express what he means, express who he is, express a, a grateful heart. So if you look in verse 1, it says, Oh, come, here's the invitation. And it says, Let us sing to the Lord. So it starts off with the invitation is to come to the Lord and to sing to him. Again, I just want you to think about this. It's very odd when a group of people get together and sing. It really is. Because even if, even if you go to a concert, then you go to the concert, you may sing and hum along to the songs, but you're not really singing together as if you would another place. It's very awkward to get a group together to sing. If I were to invite you guys, hey, come over to my house, and afterwards we're going go, to sing together, it might be uncomfortable for you, Okay. You might decline that invitation. You might, what we have, first, you might ask, what are we having for dinner? If it's good enough, you might embrace the awkward, like, <laughs> singing. We didn't even tell you what songs you're going to be singing. I don't know, like, we'll put on a, all right, guys, show tunes. If you guys ever heard West Side Story or something, or Grease, or oh, something will be going on. That's an awkward invitation, am I right? But God is the author and orig- originator of all things, all good things. All good and perfect gifts come from the Lord. He created us to be a melodic singing people as a way of praise. You're having a good day. Some days you wake up with a whistle. <laughs> okay, I can't whistle. You could obviously tell that. You wake up with a song in your heart. You know, everything's like, you know, I don't know. Yet there's a bunch of them. Like, I'm happy. You know, you do that one or, you know. Sunshine, lollipops, that's not a, that's a old, that's like the 40s. I mean, you're going to get up and you got this song in your heart uh, and, and we do it different ways, but the Bible calls us this invitation to come worship God through song. And it says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Now, what we did with, these, with our students is we looked at something very important. The God, when you see in the Bible all caps with Lord written, that's the divine name, which is also translated I am that I am back in Exodus when God revealed himself in the burning bush to Moses to lead his people out of salvation. That's the I am. That's also Jesus would go and he would say, I, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and life. Jesus was saying, I, I am the Father. I am the great I am. We're one. And so when you see Lord there, we are to sing praises not to an unknown God, but to a known God, the God who has revealed himself in Scripture. So when we come, listen, you need to have enough with generic deities. Do you know what I mean by generic deities? For example, this is a cultural thing. If you walk into a restaurant in the South, and you're, and you're from the South, you can say, when they come to your table and they say, what would you like to drink? You could say Coke. And you know what that could mean? Any carbonated beverage. Go up North. You say you want a Coke, you're getting a Coca-Cola. Okay? Everywhere, and you know why? They call it pop. All right? 
That's am I right? Anybody? We got some some northern folks over here. All right, yeah, and it makes more sense than us calling it Coke. But in the south, like, give me a Coke. Like, okay, would you like Sprite? We like this. No, no, I said Coke, man. There can be some difference differentiations. Here's the thing: if you had the choice between a Coca-Cola in the red can with the cool writing, or Dr. Pig's Coke or Dr. Pig's Cola, that is the generic brand off the shelf. Nine times out of ten, especially if you're not buying, okay, you're going to go for the, for the funny writing. The Bible is not about you, and it's not calling you to worship a generic deity. It's calling you to worship the Lord God who revealed himself in Scripture. And when you see the Lord God, then you have many, and what he has done and the salvation that he's brought and the salvation that he brings, then you want to worship him. So this is not a call to a generic worship or to have a generic positive feeling towards a higher power. That is ridiculous. That's not what the Bible is calling us to. It's saying, oh, come, let us sing to the I am, the Lord. Then it says, what does it look like? This invitation is to come and worship. Yes, to sing is part of it. Then to make a joy. For those of you who just can't sing, this is good news at the end of this verse. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. So let's sing or make a joyful noise, okay? There's, a, there's always that person who thinks they can sing, but they can't. But here's the beauty. The tone deaf have a place in God's family singing to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I had this guy, and when I was in Bible college, I don't know, he thought he was going to be the next worship leader. He was, he was in the theological track, and he should have stayed there. He should have preached and not saying, because he, he would go, and he would like, oh, he was like trying to see harmonies, and he was trying to make up his own lyrics and stuff. And I almost want to turn around and be like, dude, slow your roll. But then I thought, that's his joyful noise, man. Who am I to get in the way of him lifting up praises to his God, even though it sounded like he was drowning a cat? <laughs> <laughs> come let us worship the lord the god who's known the god who's revealed himself the god of the bible the god who's revealed himself ultimately in his son jesus come let us worship through song god delights in our singing if you can't sing hold on hold up he says a joyful noise a loud exclamation make it known to him he's the rock of our salvation we got to sing at camp we saw we sang a, an old song that says uh, on christ the solid rock i stand all other ground is sinking sand and it was so great to sing those lyrics with those teenagers because all of our lives if you are in christ your life is not built on quicksand but on a firm foundation and rock of salvation and i don't think i'm jumping too much of the gun because remember we said this is the Old Testament, right? But all of it points, all the Bible points to Jesus and it's glorifying him and it's talk is going to him. So the Lord, the I am, is seen in the person of Jesus Christ. And he, we know he is the rock. He is the great cornerstone. He is the rock of our salvation. So the, 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 the idea is to come to a sure hope, make a joyful noise to a God who saves. A God who saves. So there is an invitation to worship, which involves singing. It involves making a joyful noise. It involves, it involves singing a song of praise to the rock of our salvation. But if you also go look down, there's a, he doesn't just ask, doesn't give the invitation once. But in verse 6, the psalmist gives the, the invitation twice. In verse 6, it says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And so there's a change of posture here. It's the same thing. It's worship. 
but there is a call here to come and worship, which worship can involve singing, but in this case, it's bow down and kneel before the Lord, our maker. And so there's a change of posture that is involved here. Now, you can change your posture in a, in a lot of different ways. You can change the posture of your heart, too. This is obviously a posture of submission and of humility. But oftentimes, what we really need to do is to change the posture of our bodies to, to show the inward the inward posture. So what we did a few times at camp, and, I, and I, I like to do this every now and then, is we held our hands out like this. Now, there's nothing magic about this, right? You probably held your hands out like this. If you've you ever been like somebody's throwing a football and you go, okay, you're almost in the same position, all right? You're like, hey, over here. This is a posture of receiving. And sometimes, especially if we're kind of spiritually stopped up, if you will, or just feeling broken or feeling like just dead and numb, Sometimes the best thing we could do is to change the posture of our heart, yes, but also the posture of our bodies when we come to God and worship. It's okay to be demonstrative in worship. We've been so afraid, I think, of, of going, going too far and drawing attention to ourselves, and we've seen some of the crazy wackadoo stuff on television where people are knocking each other over and, and getting real wild. And, and I don't know if you've seen the ones where the, the, guy, the guy takes his suit jacket off and he's swirling around his head and hitting people. And you're like, oh, I don't want to do any part of that. That we forget that the God of the Bible does call us to worship. And worship means changes of posture sometimes. And it means a sometimes we need to demonstrate what's on the inside and let it come on the outside. And I'm sorry if we've led you to a place where you don't feel like you can demonstrate your worship here. Now listen, again, we do need to maintain order in worship, all right? And you start going, wow, we may have to have a talk, okay? <laughs> all right? But there is something to be said for a changing of position and posture, of a raised hand and surrender, of a raised hand for the glory of God, for receiving, say, God, I need from you. I need, I need a, a touch of your spirit. I need to receive this word because it's, I, I hear it, but I'm not receiving it in my soul and obeying it. There may need to be the get down on your knees and pray, which shows a submission, shows a humility. We can't be afraid because the Bible does call us to demonstrative acts. Outward acts that represent what's happening on the inside as we come to worship. The psalmist says here, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And I want you to, I, I hope we can foster this at this church, and we call you to this, a demonstrative worship that is Christ-centered. They say that, that's what we want, a demonstrative worship that is Christ-centered. What is that? We demonstrate, we're not afraid of of moving. We're not afraid of showing our worship to God. We're not afraid to raise the hand, to pray for someone, to, to get down on our knees in submission, to hold our hands out to receive. We're okay with those things, but we do it with Christ and his word at the center. And this is a call for us to worship. And I want you to, I, I, and he calls us this in a minute. Oftentimes we quench the spirit by our unwillingness to embrace how he's moving in us. Now, I'm not saying you can, you can stop God and his purposes and plans. That's ridiculous. If you think you can stop God, your God's too small, and it's not the God of the Bible. But we can. The Bible does tell us not to quench the Spirit. 
And sometimes we do that because we we are afraid to demonstrate and to have an outward expression of the worship that we feel rise up in us. We're afraid to raise the hand. We're afraid to bow the knee. We're afraid to admit to somebody else, I'm struggling with sin, and I need you to pray for me. We're afraid to get on our knees and lay down prostrate even because we need God that much. I'm not calling you to a wild ecstatic disruption. Believe me, I'm not calling you to that. But I'm calling to this, that if the God of the Bible is who he says he is, and he is, he works and speaks and, 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 and invades our space with who he is in such a way that we must demonstrate and we must respond rightly. And the response will be all the way. It will be something that it, it, it starts inwardly and it goes outwardly. I'm not calling you to a show. I'm calling you to kneel before the Lord, to bow your hearts. As some things the psalmist said, he would dance and he would raise his hand. God is calling us to worship him in a way that's demonstrative. And sometimes the best thing you can do is raise your hand or get on your face before him. And those are completely fine things to do. Because our worship starts on the inside and must come to the outside. This is an invitation to worship this God. It's not an invitation to be still. There's an invitation. It's amazing that God would call those who had turned their back and spurned and sinned against him and are dead in sin. He would call us to come and worship God. The psalmist calls us, hey, worship, sing, make a joyful noise. Worship will come. Let us worship and bow down. Now, this worship is not just these are the acts, but here's some reasons why. If you look in verses 3 and 4, we're going to have, or 3, 4, and 5, you'll see some reasons why we should worship. So we're not just told how we should worship and that we should worship and then invited to worship, but we're also showed that, that here that we're supposed to worship a God who is a creator. And verse 3 says, the Lord is a great God. He is mighty and awesome. The word great is probably probably overused and underutilized because we say a lot of things are great which aren't great. You can say this toothpaste is great. Well, you don't mean it's great like God. If you do, you got a problem with dental care and you're like really like jazzed about dental hygiene, okay? Like, no, what are we saying? Like, this restaurant is great. It's not great like God, but it may be, it may, the food may be off the chain, but it's not great like God. Great is an is, is idea of God being above all things and he kind of, the psalmist then kind of ex- explicates that and he says, the Lord is a great God. God and a great king above all gods. He is the only God. All other gods are fake. All other gods are lowly. He is the king over all gods. All the other gods are either self-made or there's something that we love more than him. It's a pleasure that he created that we exalt to the highest position. And the psalmist acknowledges there is one great God, and it is the God, the Lord, the Lord who is seen in, as the I am. The I am is the way, the truth, and the life in Christ. This is who that God is. For the Lord, he is a great God, a great king above all gods. He is better and greater and higher than all gods. And then in verse 4, it says, in his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. That is a way of kind of covering all the bases in the deep caves. Do you guys know up in Kentucky, not too far from here, there are some caves in which some have been termed Mammoth Cave, okay? Have you ever been in those before? No. (laughs) If you want to see 
some of God's great glory, you go in, you can go underground. It's pretty unbelievable. The natural processes that take place there and the fact it's it's wild and these these things form underground. And you would think if in Florida, if something formed like that underground, it would sink. Okay, that's a sinkhole where I'm from. But here, up here where there's rock and like solid ground, the cave is a beautiful display of God's of God's creative power and ability. Also, you think about this, the, the, when we looked at, uh, a couple of months ago um, about Hawaii and the volcanic eruptions over there, hot magma flowing up out of the ground is, like, in Hawaii, it's kind of like, oh, that happens every day, like it rains here every day or whatever. There's like, oh, look, lava, <laughs> okay? If we had lava in Tennessee, be like, the end of the world, okay? The only place that's making more real estates are volcanic islands, okay? Because it just have more, more land is being produced, God is the God of the depths. He created it all. And the scientific pro- processes that go along were his invention and his idea. And, Lord said, and, and the, the spirit writing through the author here says that in his hands are the depths of the earth. And if you just so as left, you can go down to the core, and his handiwork is there in his control and his care and his might are seen there. And then you go all the way to the heights of a mountain. And if you've seen, if you, kn- you know what to look at, at mountains is to, is to be in awe. Is to see how small you are in the grand scheme of things is to look at a mountain. I remember um, in January when we got to go out to Denver. When you get past Tennessee, it's flat. Kansas, oh my God, who? Who lives there? Like, if you're from Kansas here, I love you. Thanks for being in Tennessee because it's better, okay? And because it's just flat. And we come out of the clouds in right near Denver, and we drop out of the clouds, and the wind's blowing us everywhere because they put the airport, like, right where all the winds come off the mountains, and so you're just, like, bracing for impact. And the plane is, is doing this, but you see just flat, 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 flat Rockies. It's unbelievable. And often we tend to get caught in tunnel vision and the the Bible and God's world that cause us to take the blinders off and to see a great picture of the glory of God in his creation. And he's there in the depths and he's there in the heights of the mountains. And it says the heights of the mountains are his also. They were his idea. They're his handiwork and his creation. And then it says in verse 5, the sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. So if you go to the ocean, all the crazy stuff that's in the ocean, and then you go to the dry land, he even formed that. So it's like covering your bases. From the depths of the world, they're his. From the heights of the mountains, they're his. From the ocean, it's his. It's his handiwork. It's his glory. To the dry land, it's all his. All things scream and shout his glory and praise and call us to worship. What the Bible does say in in Romans, Paul says, we suppress the truth and unrighteousness. But our God calls us and woos us with an invitation to see his great glory and to worship him. So there is this invitation to come. Come, let us worship the one and true God. Oftentimes what we worship is his his creation. We We don't worship the creator. And the psalmist calls us to a reorientation 
and an invitation. And I want you to know this, okay? Every Sunday is an invitation to come together to worship the Lord. And that's one of the reasons that the writer of Hebrews tells us not to neglect getting together to worship. We also know this. Every time when we, we've just done this youth, I've done, I'm coming off back-to-back youth camps, and I'm, I'm realizing I'm old, a lot older than I used to be, feeling it a lot more. Because the invitation, those youth camps were an invitation for students to come and see how great God is. And a lot of times we really want our students to go and see how great God is, but we will not take the time to go and to really invest in our souls to see how great God is. Well, would you heed the invitation? Would you come and bow down and, and seek after him and, and come and worship and come and see his, see his glory in creation? Will you come? The invitation, God's invitation is to come and worship him, to, to, to bow down, to sing. If you can't sing, to make a joyful noise, whatever it is, the call is to come and worship the Lord, the one who has given us his story of his redemption, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the I am came to flesh to die die on the cross bearing sin and shame that we might have life the invitation is to come and worship but oh we are so cold sometimes oh we are so indifferent sometimes but but hear the call every day to worship come and worship the Lord is great he's above all gods I guarantee you this God is better than what is Lord of your life right now He's better than the small things that you've put on the pedestal. He's better. He's greater. He is wilder. He is wonderful. His love is reckless. He is great. And I, I, I won't forget this. We're sitting up in that room with our students, and I decide I'm going to back off and let our leaders lead, and they did a fantastic job. One of our leaders, with tears in his eyes, was imploring our students I just want y'all to be saved. I want you to know God. I want you to know he is better than the world's best thing. He's imploring these students to come to know Jesus. And it blessed my heart. And I, I can, I'm imploring you to come and worship and know God. Come to him. Come. That is the invitation. He is better. Come. Not only that, look in verses 6 and 7. We worship God because of his power seen in creation, but we also worship God in his presence. And look at this. This is pretty awesome. Verse 6 says, it's the invitation. Oh, come again, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands. Y'all, sheep are dumb. Never seen a sheep. They're Q-tips, basically. They're stinky barnyard Q-tips. They have no real weapon or <laughs> defense from natural predators, except for cuteness. Okay, <laughs> that's what they got. Wolves can devour them. If you've ever been around sheep, they do not smell great. But God uses, and I think there's a reason, he uses the, the sheep and the shepherd imagery a lot in the Bible. Psalm 23, other places. Um, then 
We'd also see Jesus, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Sheep are always God's people. They need to be led. They need to be protected. They need his power. They need all that. And the shepherd is God who it shows a caring relationship for those people. God is a transcendent God, the God of everything. But yet we have the revelation and the revealing in the scriptures that he is also a God who is near to his people and hears their cries. Exodus chapter 3, why did God appear to Moses? Because the Israelites were groaning under their captivity, and God's going to bring salvation. That is our God. He is the transcendent, glorious I Am, the creator, the eternal one who made it all, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D in our Bibles, who has come to rescue us, and he's most significantly and completely rescued us in Christ. And there is, if you put your faith in him, you will know the good shepherd, and his presence is near. And we can experience and encounter his presence in everyday life as we walk filled with the Spirit of God, but also together in a unique way when we come to worship him. We can experience as we sing to him. We can experience his presence, and we can experience his power through his word because he speak, he's speaking through his word. If you want to hear God speak out loud, all you have to do is read the Bible out loud because it's his word. When we come today, and I want you to know something, he cares for his people, his sheep, and he did, as the good shepherd, he did it to the cross. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So there is a call to come to Christ. Oh, come and worship him. Oh, come and sing, sing to him a joyful noise. Don't let your hearts be cold anymore, but look to see this great God. There's an invitation to come, an invitation to come. You send the invitations out because you want somebody to come and experience the party. You put it out there because you want them to come and bring the presents and bring the food and all of us have a good time. Come. We want you to come. And so God, he's God here through the inspiration of the Spirit on, on this writer, the psalmist is saying, come worship. Come to the party. But this doesn't just end with an invitation. There's also an urgent call to respond. So an invitation and an urgent call to respond. How many of you have ever done this before? Like you're really, you send somebody an invitation and you don't hear back. And so what do you start doing? Calling. And there's some people, and I've done this before too, like I send an email then you text the person that they got the email. If they, didn't get the, if they didn't get the text quick enough, then you call the person, okay? There is an urgency like, hey, do you hear that? Which you probably should have just called in the first place. But <laughs> you said all three things, and they're all coming up. Have you ever had that before? Have you ever, if you've been that person, I know. Okay, have you ever had that happen to somebody? Or had that happen to you? You're kind of like, whoa, chill, man. What, what's happening here? There is an urgency to this invitation, and I want you to see it in the final section of this passage. In Psalm, Psalm uh 95, verse, end of verse 7, after it calls us the sheep of his pasture. It says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts at Merida as on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. Forty years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who are astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. 
So he says, and he gives this call, today if you hear God's call and invitation to worship, don't harden your hearts and behave like the people of Israel did in these situations. In both of these situations, these words, in fact, if you look in verse 8, the Meribah and Masa are, are, there's been some debate about this, whether this should be translated um, or transliterated. And they, what, they, what the, most of them went with is a transliteration, which means you take the Hebrew word and you give the English letter equivalent and you do it that way. And so here's what happens in these two places. They basically meant pro- provocation and unbelief. So here's the idea. Don't behave like the people of Israel did. Remember what God did for them? Through the I am? Sent the plagues and used Moses to deliver the people out of Egypt, right? He saved them and they gave them the commandments to help guide them. And he keeps saving them and they kept turning. They kept turning back to golden calves. And because of their sinfulness, you know what happened? And their hardness of heart and their failure to believe? That generation, what it should have taken six months for those people to go, that's not, if go look it up. Between Egypt and where Israel or where Jerusalem is now, go Google map that because you could drive that. You'll probably get blown up, but you could Google map that right now. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, that's like for real. Okay, that's not a great place to be. All right, <laughs> so if you're going from Jerusalem to Egypt, it's not very far. But those jokers... Spent 40 years there until they all died off because they would not submit to the Lord because they were a stiff-necked people. And he loved them like dumb sheep. And he, he bore with them, and he was long-suffering and patient, right? But in their stri- in what he's getting at is that particular generation, because they didn't hear right away, they had to spend 40 years there in Paris, and they never entered into his rest of Canaan. So he had to give 40 years to get that generation off and to prepare that other generation to go into the promised land and to find his rest. And so what we see here is this, a call to a urgent, immediate action. Today, not tomorrow, Now, not later, today, if you hear his voice, the hearing is not just auditory, but it's an understanding hearing, okay? Difference between the two would be the way that I listen to my wife half the time, where she'll go, I told you that, and I'd be like, you did? You responded to me. I did? What did I say? You acknowledged it. You talked to me about it. Oh, well, I didn't hear it. That, or you heard that before? There's a difference between, uh, yeah, oh, me. That's not a man. That's a oh, me, okay? You heard, the, it, it, it goes, the, the reverberations of sound enter into the ear canal. Your brain has somehow processed it, but it never has entered into your memory bank, Okay? And so the idea is not, if you hear his voice, if you hear this voice, I mean, you've heard the, the voice of the Lord today because we've read the scripture. Today, if you hear the, voice, the call to come and worship and to leave behind other gods and to see how great the Lord is and to see his salvation in Christ, if you hear it, then today, not if you just heard the words, but if you hear and you hear the inward call and you know it to be true, do not harden your heart. 
Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, which means to disobey, which means to say, I'll do that later. I will do that later. And I want to call you to this. And sometimes I feel like because we are, and we we're rightfully so, we are wanting to get the, the Bible right and wanting to, want to make sure you are not manipulated, but it's the work of the Spirit in which, by which you come to Christ. Oftentimes, we don't call you to move immediately to to be obedient and to come. And I want to know today that you need to come and move immediately towards God and away from you. Today, not tomorrow. So here's what the call is. If you are not in Jesus, if you have not placed your faith in Christ and God has shown you through his spirit that you are still in your sins, You need to turn from your sins and trust Christ today. Do not harden your heart any longer. Come to Jesus. That means turning from yourself and your sin, turning to Christ, embracing his completed work, and following him forever. You can do that where you are right now. A call The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you call out to him, he will hear you. And that is one of the calls. Secondly, many of you have been living in disobedience to Christ, and you know it. You've been living in sexual sin. You've been living in inward hatred towards other people. You've been living in disobedience in other areas of your life. Put it, there's many of them. And you've been saying, man... I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna follow Jesus eventually once I get get this all together. I'm gonna turn from this sin, but I need a couple more weeks, or I need this to happen. And I, I'm just gonna say what the Bible says, okay? Today, today, Junior, okay? Now, don't wait. Turn, turn from that sin. And you know what that may look like? It may look like you when, you when we get done with this, immediately go grab somebody and confess that sin to them. Like, just grab them and say, because you listen, if you don't bring it to the light right now, you'll keep walking in darkness, hiding that thing. The light exposes and kills the bacteria of sin. So bring it to the light. Don't wait. Don't live in your situation. And then confess it and then make, then follow Jesus out of your sin. Unforgiveness, confess it. Turn, come out of it. If you are brokenhearted and you need someone to pray for you and you just you feel cold and, and dead to the things of God right now, then you need to just find someone in a few minutes, and grab them and say, pray for me. And so here's what we're going to do. And I haven't gone over this with anybody, but Joey, you come up here. Joey's going to play the guitar um, in a few minutes. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to sit, and we're going to have some time to actually reflect and say, here's the invitation. Come and worship. 
O come and lay down. See, God is greater than all your other gods. Turn from your idolatry and trust him. And there may be some in here today, and you're going to need a chance to respond. Here is what we're going to do. This is not an altar. These are steps. Roy and I covered these, or built half of these. Well, Roy did most of it, and I watched him and handed him nails. And we had a carpet company at 11 and covered them in carpet. But if you need prayer, and you just need to have an external, God's stirring in you, and you need to do like the bow, what we talked about in Scripture, I want you to grab somebody that you know that will pray for you and come down here and pray. Again, nothing magical. This is carpet from Lebanon. And this is an old building. But sometimes it's kneel before the Lord, make an action. And we're gonna have we're gonna have a time to do that when after I pray and when Joey gets going. Secondly, if we could do this in just a minute. In fact, let's all bow our heads for a minute. If today you know that you don't know Christ. And you want to follow him. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. Slipping your hand up does not mean anything, but it can be an outward sign of an inward reality that you need Christ. And if if that's you, I want to pray for you right now, and then hopefully we can talk in a little while. So if that's you right now, I want you to just slip your hand up. Father, for those who need to know you today, I pray, God, today would be the day of salvation and they would turn from their sins and trust you. In Jesus' name. Secondly, if you just keep your heads bowed, if there is a sin in your life that is just whooping you and you know you need to turn from it today and you just need prayer, I'm not gonna make I'm not gonna sing you out and make you come to the front. I just want to pray for you right now. So in an act of defiance towards your sin. I'm gonna invite you to raise your hand so that we can pray for you. That's you right now. Just slip your hand up so we can pray for you. Oh, Father, sin is so deadly to us. Would you help this be the day that we don't harden our hearts, but we turn from it and take the necessary steps to come out of it? The first one is to confess it to you. You do say in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, God, if we say them, that tell you about them, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we remain in this attitude of prayer, and Joey just kind of picks around on the guitar. If you need prayer today, this is your chance to move. It's okay. Somebody might get, you might have to say, excuse me, and come down. But this is a time to be demonstrative. If you need prayer, grab somebody. Tom's down here. Some ladies for you ladies. We'll be glad to pray for you and pray over you. So let's just take a few minutes and pray.
If you'd like to come up front, you can. In just a minute, you'll know it's time when we're done praying, God, when I, when I, when I raise up a prayer. So don't be afraid to move. It's your time now. God, today, if we've heard your voice, don't let us harden our hearts like the people of Israel did and fail to enter into your rest. But as the writer of Hebrews would tell us, God, let us be those who quickly come to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who purchased our salvation on the cross. Let us enter into his rest, God, and not any longer dwell in sin and shame, but to walk in truth and light. Those who are struggling with sin, God, it's a war. Give them power in, in, in your spirit to confess those sins and then to turn out of them. God, bring redemption in those situations. There's broken lives, broken situations, God. Bring redemption. Bring a new life out of the broken ashes. We know, God, that you can take dead bones and make them live. So we ask that if, those, if there's someone here who does not know Christ, God, that you would make them alive and that they would come and if they have questions, they would talk to one of us, Tom or myself or another believer in this room, in this fellowship. And God, that they would make clear and they would come to faith. God, we hear your invitation loud and clear. It's a great invitation to come out of sin and to step into your light. But God, the invitation is also urgent. It stands for today. Come now. You don't know how much longer you will strive with us, Lord. We don't know how many more minutes, seconds, hours that we have on this planet, God. So help us respond to you now and not later. Thank you for being in our midst today, Lord. I want to continue to worship you through this time in Jesus' name. Amen. And we got, um, first off, 
if you are um, if you are a veteran or are in the armed services, um, Fourth of July is coming up. We want to recognize your service. So if that's you, would you stand up for just a second? Um, I know we got two of them standing up. Thank you for your service. We are grateful to live in a country in which we can worship freely. Um, and so I want to thank you for your service, everyone, and I wanted to acknowledge that. Um, if you would, we're going to stand and hear these words as we leave. And if you would, it's a little, we've talked about posture, so let's do some. Let's open our hands in a posture of receiving. Not that this means anything, but it just shows an inward thing, an outward sign of our inward hearts. And I want you to hear this. O come, let us worship and bow down. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You're dismissed. God bless you. Go in grace.